0: Get your Bibles. Now, let's let's go to the Word. Amen? You guys didn't get get quiet on me, did you? Okay. We've been talking about maintaining spiritual freedom. Let's get our Bibles, and and we're going to turn to Proverbs. uh, Galatians, primarily Galatians 5.0 is uh, where we're going to spend some time this morning. We'll also be in Proverbs uh, 22 uh, and verse 3. But let's let's make declaration this morning. This is my Bible. Bible. It is the living word of God. It It contains many many great and precious promises promises for me. me. I am who the Bible says I am. I I I have what the the Bible says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. I'll study the Word word. and live according to it, it. because the living Word of God God is at work in me. me. All right. Praise the Lord. All right. Um, We've been talking about maintaining spiritual freedom, and uh, we talked the last couple of times that we were together on this subject, the last two or three times about the motivation for, um, for consecration being love, And uh, I would love to um, and really enjoy talking more about that, but uh, what I'd really like to do is maybe over the next couple of weeks today and and next Sunday, kind of put a capstone on this so that we can turn a a bit of a corner uh, if the Lord uh, will allow us to do so. Uh, The trouble with, now there's there's a two-edged sword here, the trouble with being in a series in a church is that there's all kinds of interruptions (laughs) to that, especially churches like ours who We've had a visiting minister in the pulpit every month uh, for all of, all of this year. Uh, it looks like that's the way it's going to go through uh, at least October. Um, and uh, I'm excited about that because uh, I am not arrogant at all. I don't think I'm the only voice that you should hear. Uh, I think that you ought to have expressions of the word. And I love bringing people that I respect to bring the word to you and I love when the folks that are part of this congregation who are apt to preach and teach have an opportunity to do so. I love to sit there and listen to Benjamin. Oh my God, I just soak it up. It's a blessing. I love to uh, to have that uh, bit of interaction in, behind the pulpit. So, but when we're in a series, you understand that is uh, some difficulty. And then folks who come there, there are folks who come to church every other week because of work or, or whatever. There are folks who come once a month because of, I'm not sure why, and uh, <laughs> there, are, there are folks who, who, uh, who are kind of in and out, and, and so when we're in a series, uh, they miss, or, or I, I sometimes feel a challenge of, of having everybody up to where we're at. But that's why we have the website. And if you go to www.colw.net and you go to our media page, you can listen to the download of the sermons. And starting with this coming Wednesday night, Wednesday night should also be on there if you, for some reason, work on Wednesday night or are unable to attend. And um, <clears throat> listen, it is not as good listening on the website as it is being in the presence of God in the moment. So it's not designed to replace the worship experience in the body of Christ, but it is certainly there as a tool to help you stay uh, up to date with us and participating with us in what God is doing. The the upside to being in a series is it helps us with direction. It helps you not feel like that every Sunday is a shot in the dark and that, that God speaks to us, go in this direction, and we say, yes, Lord, we're going in this direction, we're going down this path in the word as far as you want to take us. And so that is why we do that. So I just wanted to encourage you. But there's, I want to, to kind of put a capstone on maintaining spiritual freedom. And I want to just give you some practical tools for maintaining your spiritual freedom. We read in uh, <coughs> Matthew chapter 12. Maybe we should go there first, uh, just to confuse you all who have already turned to Galatians. Matthew chapter 12. And verse 43 was kind of our launching for this series that we've been in. And it was the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 43, and he said this. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walks through dry places, seeking rest, and he finds none. Then he says, I'll return to the house from whence I came out. And when he's come, he finds it empty, swept, and garnished. Then he goes and he takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the latter state of that man is worse than the first. So that, that was kind of our launching pad. We, we work through Matthew chapter 12, and we've, we're focusing on, when you come to Jesus and when you get your life free of the enemy, then there is uh, in the process of, of uh, coming to Jesus and being full of the Spirit and being sanctified and, uh, and walking through that process of sanctification and, and all of those issues of being set apart unto God, the enemy comes continually and he seeks an opportunity to get himself back in your life Jesus said it I didn't so just so you know there there is great discussions about how much influence Uh, the enemy can have on a believer. There's all kinds of opinions about it. Can we set aside all of those opinions for a moment and agree together that if Jesus said this, then that someone who believes can allow the enemy to get through the hedge, clearly. The hedge of protection that is put around you You have the opportunity to keep that hedge of protection there and clearly there's times when the enemy comes and seeks to gain access to your life again. So that's what we've been talking about is maintaining spiritual freedom so that the enemy does not have access to you. He, he doesn't get your salvation. He, 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 does, he doesn't, unless you just rebel against God and, and decide to walk away uh, and, and be in a, the situation of a prodigal, he, it's not that he gets your salvation. He just, if he can't, if, if he can't uh, send you, uh, bring you to hell with him, he just wants to mess up your life and make it as miserable as he can make it because the, the, the word says the thief comes. Comes to kill and steal and destroy. So he just wants to come and mess with your mind, and frustrate your life. And he wants to look at the good—he'll he'll observe your life. He wants to look at the good things that God is trying to do, and he wants to see where he can mess up with you. How many of you have friends like that? <laughs> I hope not. If you have friends like that, you need new friends. Proverbs 22 and 3 says this. I'm going to challenge you this morning. My first challenge to you is identify and acknowledge trouble spots in your life. Let me me define that for you. First of all, Proverbs 22 and 3 and Proverbs 27 and 12 say almost word for word the same thing. In some translations, it's exact. A prudent man foresees the evil. A prudent man looks ahead and identifies trouble that is coming. Are you with me? A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. And the simple pass on and are punished. In other words, a prudent man sees trouble coming, and he does something to get out of the way of trouble, and a person who is not prudent hasn't a clue what's going on around him, and trouble just runs him down. Prudence requires that we make an assessment of the attack of the enemy and of his plans, not focus on. Your focus is you are to fix your eyes on Jesus. But you are to be wise and see where the enemy may have access to your life. And you should, by the spirit of God and in prayer and, and just in simple wisdom, make those assessments. I'm trying to think of some simple examples. There are folks that, that uh, i'll give you I'll give you a good example, folks that that struggle with smoking, and I know there are those that are here I'm offend- I 'm not offended. I don't mean to offend you. You realize that eventually the likelihood, if you continue down that road, is an oxygen tank when you're old. You understand that? Yeah. I'm, not, I, I'm not, you know, you just understand. That is the result of, uh, of the health issue that, that arises in your body with that behavior. Okay, you see that coming. The challenge is, head it off of the pass. Do something about it. So that, it, so that you don't reap the results of that behavior. Well, a prudent man looks at his life, and he sees, these are the things that I'm doing, or these are the steps that I'm taking, that result in negative results, so let's change these things so that we don't get these results. Are you with me? Is that simple wisdom enough? I don't want to get too far in there, but anyway, I do want to make sure you understand. So, What I'm challenging you to look at is to identify and acknowledge trouble spots in your life, reoccurring issues and struggles. You realize the children of Israel, when they went into the desert, every time that trouble came to them, they had, how many understand, they had a murmuring issue. They had an issue of being dissatisfied and complaining against God. Why did you bring us out here to die? Don't you like hanging out with people like that? Everything is going wrong. They had a murmuring issue. I don't, I, listen, somebody wants to be negative and murmur all the time, I don't hang out with them very long. <laughs> right. mm. So, reoccurring issues and struggles in your life. They had a reoccurring issue of murmuring to the point that God got so frustrated with them, he told Moses, I'm going to kill him. My dear wife, my, my wife advocates for the children. Whenever I say, all right, I've about had it. If she sees why they're doing what they're doing, she'll explain to me, honey, now you understand, he's only six. <laughs> he's actually behaving like a six-year-old. Oh, okay. Well, little grace extended there. Well, that's what Moses did. If you kill him, kill me too because you made a promise to them. So that's what happened there. So reoccurring issues or struggles. If you identify an area in your life that is a continual struggle, and you say to yourself, well, it looks like I'm going back around this mountain one more time. You have an area that the enemy has, is enjoying access. Depression, sleeplessness, and frustration, and all of those things. I, I'm just throwing some out there. You, can, uh, you may have your own. You can add to the list. I'm, not, I, I'm just, do, uh, just trying to provoke some thought here. Yeah. Uncontrolled temperament, anger, yeah. might tell you that there's a hole in the hedge. A prudent man considers those things. Uh, It it is amazing to me... mm, I'm going to get myself in trouble here. It is amazing to me the amount of people in our culture who go through their life and never make an assessment of the way they're living life, and then they're surprised at the results they get at the end of their life. Or even in the middle of it, yes. (laughs) So a prudent man, Proverbs 22 says, a prudent man looks ahead and sees... The thing that I am doing is going to produce, produce a result that I do not want. So let's go over here and do something different so that we can have the result that we want. Somebody say amen. I'm, I'm preaching better than you're amen So I want to challenge you to identify and acknowledge before the Lord those trouble spots. Confession is good for the soul. And if you go before the Lord and you acknowledge it, he'll begin to help you to uh, deal with it and to make the appropriate changes so that you can get a different result. So you identify and acknowledge the trouble spots. Then you consecrate to God with correct attitudes and motives. Step two. So I want to read Galatians 5, 13. Go there. We're going to go... We're going to end up going all the way through verse 26. Consecrate to God with correct attitudes and motives. Galatians 5, 13. Let's start there. For brethren... You have been called into liberty. Only do not use liberty for an occasion to satisfy your flesh. Just because you're called to liberty, just because you're giving liber- given liberty in your life, doesn't mean that with it comes the right to do whatever you want to do, to make your flesh happy, and to disregard God in the moment. There are so many believers in the earth today who live to satisfy their flesh. They are flesh rolled. You are spirit. I don't, I don't want to go back over old territory here, but it's appropriate to say this. You are a spirit. We were just explaining to Josiah the other day, yesterday how that when he dies, that he will lay, will lay that body down and that in heaven he'll get a new body. A child can understand this. You are a spirit. You have a soul, you have a mind, will, emotions, personality, and you live in a body. It is a borrowed house. It is not your borrowed house is not supposed to rule you. You're supposed to rule your house. Ooh. That'll preach. So, you've been called unto liberty, but don't use that liberty for an occasion to satisfy your body, your flesh. You want to study that out, and you go and you study the lust of the flesh, less lust of the eye, and the pride of life. There is no uh, resistance to the presence of God that does not fall under one of those three categories. Every rebellion against God falls under one of those three categories. So, Verse 14 says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you uh, are not consumed of one another. So then he starts talking about relationships. Because he's dealing with correct attitudes and motives. So then he goes in verse 16, he says, Then I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. In other words, be Spirit-led. The Bible says in another place that the Spirit of a man and the Spirit of God bear witness. So what you do is you, as you get to know God, the spirit in you, your spirit begins to bear witness with the spirit of God relating to what is right and wrong and correct and incorrect and, and what God's purpose for you and his plan for you is and how he designed you and how he set things up for you and how he planned you. And so whenever you begin to get before the Lord and you begin to have an, uh, need answers to the questions of your life, your spirit will bear witness with the spirit of God. This is how you walk in the spirit and then you know you have a a peace in knowing that the decision that you're making is correct and that the direction that you're going is correct because you uh, you uh, apply your life to the word of God and you trust the leadership of the spirit so he says then I say walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh because the spirit of God will never lead you to fulfill the lust of the flesh never 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 So this I say, walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and they, they are contrary to one another so that you cannot do the things that you desire to do. If you're, if you're led by your flesh the scripture just tells you, then you end up always being in a situation where you're doing the things you don't desire to do. The apostle Paul described it. If you'll read Romans chapter six, seven, and eight, there you'll get a great picture of it. He goes, oh, when I want to do the right thing, I do the wrong thing. And when I want to do the, when I want to do the good thing, I end up not doing the thing I want to do. That's what he was describing right there. This pocket. <laughs> okay, there you go. Is it all good? Go. So he says. Walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. How do I break the things that become tedious in my life, where I continually bump up against the same wall, where I continually come up against the same issues, where I continually come up against the same bondages, against the same frustrations, against the same, uh, uh, against the same kind of going around the same mountain all the time, making the same mistakes over and over again. Oh, God, I won't do that anymore. Here I am doing it again. How do I, how do I break that? Walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, let's go on and read this. Spirit lusts against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit. They are contrary to one another so that you cannot do the things that you desire. But if you are spirit led, you're not under the law. In other words, you're not doing this because it's a series of do's and don'ts. You're doing this because it brings you freedom. Freedom. How many understand? You know, the guy who... I'm going to... Most of y'all don't do this, but I, I'm going to use it as an example. The guy who gets in, in high school and he, he starts uh, out behind the backstop smoking a joint. And he, his response or his thought process to that is, I have a right to do this. Why can't I do this? Leave me alone. It's not hurting anybody but me, right? That, that's, isn't that the process? That's the thought process. Well, then in that process, that becomes the trigger for other things and it becomes a bondage to him and he finds himself out there when he should be studying and when he should be doing the things that make for success in life. All of a sudden, this is bondage to him and it's robbing him of the success of his life. It's robbing him of the joys of his life. It seemed harmless, but now it's robbing him. It's not freedom, it's bondage. And what he thought was freedom to him and a right to him and a liberty to him has become bondage to him, has become prison to him, and is taking away his drive and his desire to get an education and get a good job and have a successful relationship and have children and family. All he wants to do is get out behind the backstop and roll a joint. There's, there's a great example from our culture, how the, the thing that, is, that we call it freedom, and it's designed to create bondage. Okay, that's just one example. The list is just endless. I don't have time, but you do in your own life. What is it? He says, don't, don't, don't call it freedom. The wages of sin is death. All you have to do is look at the process that you're in and see what it produces. And if it doesn't produce fruitfulness, walk in the Spirit. Get God's mind. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Okay, we spent more time on there than we need to. If you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. The works of the flesh are manifest. In other words, the apostle is being very straightforward here. The works of the flesh, he says, are very clear. They're adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such. All you need to do is go home, get your dictionary, and look up the definition of all those. I'm not going to do that for you. I I don't like making lists anyway, but there it is, in the New Testament, a list, okay, of which I tell you, uh, of which I tell you as before, as I, of which I tell you as I've told you in times past, they which do these things shall not inherit the kingdom, so if we're going to consecrate ourselves to God with correct attitudes and correct motives, then I'm going to challenge you to go to the next portion of this passage of Scripture and consider the fruit of the Spirit or the lack thereof in your life. Is this good practical teaching? Consider the fruit of the Spirit or the lack of it in in our life. mm, Listen, I'm going to tell you something. I can have an altar call, and I can have you come up to, to deal with the the bondages in your life we can have someone come and preach like robert did and and have this great service and it was wonderful with with uh, i don't know there's 30 40 50 people up here and, and they were submitting to the lord over bondages in their life over things that were destructive in their life and and god was bringing great liberty to them and all that kind of stuff that's all fine and wonderful that's great how many understand that that doesn't happen every day of your life but you can take the scripture and you can open up Galatians and sit down in your chair and you can read, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, and against such there is no law. And you can begin to do an assessment of where in your life that is not what is being produced. And you and the Lord can sit there in your chair with your Bible open and you can say to Him the same thing you said in front of the preacher. I, Lord, I want to submit this to you and I want the help of the Spirit in this area of my life and I want to be free here so that what's going on in my life is producing fruitfulness not producing death are my pockets straight? The joy of this wonderful salvation we have is that you don't have to wait until Sunday morning for pastor or or somebody to lay hands upon you because the Holy Spirit is faithful to you. And if you will sit down with him and you'll open up the word and you'll say, I can look. It doesn't take a lot of intelligence for me to see that the way I responded to that individual the other day was not the love of Jesus. And so there's something going on in me that's producing an attitude that is is not pleasing to you, God, would you sort that out for me and help me see me the way you see me? Hallelujah. I have about three spots in my house where I sit. God and I have talks about me. Boy, is there some revelation that takes place in those moments. I don't always like it, but listen, consider the fruit of the Spirit or the lack of it in your life. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Isn't it a whole lot better than reading adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, (laughs) hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, isn't that beautiful? And he's saying, there's no law against these things. Do you realize these things will never produce death? The fruit of the Spirit will never produce destruction in your life. Never. Never. Never will the fruit of the Spirit produce destruction. Love never fails. You fail love. Love never fails. So if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. This is the most practical instruction in scripture. This is not walk in the spirit. This is walk in the spirit. Listen to him when he says the minute, how many understand the minute you walk away from an angry inflamed situation and you get in a quiet place, the minute you walk away, the Holy Spirit that is in you is so faithful to say, hey, can we talk about this? The minute you feel that little check within you and, and you know what most of us do go, no, we can't. And on we go. Then that little mistake you made just became rebellion. And so you get the fruit of that. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, when it's talking about all the spiritual gifts that we're supposed to enjoy as as a body of Christ and and, and is supposed to uh, uh, be uh, fruitful and and bring edification to the body, right in the middle of that, he says, now abides faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And then the other thing that we've got to consider in consecrating to God with a correct attitude and motive is, is a spirit of humility. You see, it is, a, it is a proud pot of clay that will look at the potter and say, uh-uh, you ain't knocking that bump off my life. Proverbs 11 and 2 says, when pride comes, then comes shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. You can look back over your life and I guarantee you that every single time you had a conversation or an altercation or, or, or a verbal interaction in which pride was your motivation before that whole issue was resolved, you experienced some level of shame. Wish I hadn't said that, wish I hadn't yep. done that, yep. wish I hadn't got fired because I disobeyed and did wrong, wish I hadn't wish, wish always shame. The enemy delights in the people of God having a moment of shame. <coughs> it doesn't upset God. It doesn't upset God for us to experience that because he knows, like a good parent, that it's going to direct us back to the foundation. But the enemy delights in it. When Jimmy Swigert stood before this nation with tears running down his face and apologized for his sin, the enemy delighted in the shame of that moment. God is delighted for the opportunity for someone to come to a place of repentance and get themselves redirected into right heart and right attitude. But the enemy gets all the mileage he can out of the shame that he can create in your life. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Matthew 23 and 12 says, Whosoever shall exalt himself will be abased, and he that uh, will humble himself, will be exalted. James 4, 6 says, he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then he says in verse 10, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. I want to challenge you this morning. This is, we'll, this is where we'll close our discussion for the day. I want to challenge you to consider the fruit of the Spirit or the lack of it in your life. I want you to go to the Lord and I want you to consecrate yourself to God uh, with correct attitudes and motives. Uh, you may need to read Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 13 through uh, 26 in your private time and consider the fruit of the Spirit or the lack thereof in your life and then look at the places that we are that we need to humble ourselves before the Lord and say to the Lord Lord help me in this area help me in this place help me in, in, in this in this uh, situation in my life that I am that I am walking out that I know is going to produce less than that which you would desire for me that's humbling yourself before the Lord it's giving you the opportunity to say to him Lord you see better than I do. How many know he sees better than you do? How many know when he looks at your life, he sees better than you do? You're standing, looking down the road of your life, and God is standing with a view. And he sees the end from the beginning, the Bible says. And so we humble ourselves before him. We say, Lord, would you begin to direct me and would you begin to speak to me and teach me to walk in a way that is spirit-led so that the Spirit of God, so that the Spirit of God will lead me into a consecration with you so that I can maintain spiritual freedom so that I can put myself in a position where the enemy cannot have access to me in in areas of my thinking where where I have allowed him access before, where my mind can be renewed so that he can't get back in and wreak havoc on me in the places that he has wreaked havoc on me in the past. Stand together. Those of you that are assigned to prayer teams, I want you to come. And be... uh